LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, Steve Allen here. Thank you for joining me this Sunday morning. Coming up at six, I've got a very special in conversation with for you when I speak to someone who isn't necessarily famous but has definitely got an amazing life story to share. Truly moving conversation. And I'll be talking to Nadia Sawala, whose new programme is looking to spruce up the nation's kitchens. But first, you get to hear my best bits from the week. And on Monday morning, we had to deal with a whole load of stupid people. I just don't understand it. So there's this place called the Blue Lagoon. And uh, it bears no resemblance to the film starring Christopher Atkins and Brooke Shields from some years ago. This is in a, in a, in a beauty spot. It's very deceptive, the Blue Lagoon. And it's near Buxton in Derbyshire. And um, people go swimming in it. Unfortunately, it is polluted. That's why it's blue. It's polluted. So they, the, the council have put up signs saying, warning, this is polluted water. The lagoon is known to contain dead animals, rubbish, car wrecks, and they're saying, do not enter the water during high... Uh, do not enter the water due to high pH levels. This can cause skin and eye irritations, stomach problems, fungal infections. It says, think, would you swim in ammonia or bleach? And here is a picture of stupid children and their families swimming in the Blue Lagoon. People have ignored it totally. They're quite clear. There's going to be some idiot. Perhaps they can't read. I don't know. But somebody says here, he says, uh, I wouldn't go in. I think it's disgusting. And one woman here, Sam Ahmed from Stockport, says she was not concerned. She says, yes, I've seen the signs, but it's not really a problem. I've told my children not to swallow any water or go in deeper than their necks. It's so beautiful and blue. Now the sun is out. What a stupid woman. There's, there's needles and everything else around there. And, um, and and condoms and everything else. So this woman from Stock... Perhaps the further up the country you get, the time you get to Stockport, you know, perhaps they really are dumb. You know, what more, can the, what more can the council do? But I tell you yesterday, a really good thing, which has worked, and the police have put up a sign, in Regent's Park, there is cycle tracks, and then there is non-cycle. And there are big things written on, on the thing. No cycling. And every week that we've been there for the last... Goodness knows how long, people cycle. Families... And I generally, unfortunately, become a little bit mouthy and do say to them, this is no cycling. And this man said to me, he was with, with two of his children, a very stupid man, he said, he said it's not causing any offence. Well, anyway, the police have obviously decided they've had enough of it. So they put up a big notice at the entrance to Regent's Park that they're now patrolling. If you are caught cycling on a non-cycling track, it's an instant £50 fine. We didn't see one cycle yesterday. They're such girls' blouses, cyclists. Because ever since the Olympics... Oh, you can't get enough of them, can you? They're everywhere, cyclists now. Absolutely everywhere. Boris, I believe, is thinking of having some huge event where we're all going to go cycling for the day. Which is... I can't, but ever since the... I mean, and I, I was caught up in it. But don't get me wrong. I don't have any problem with cyclists, provided they just follow the basic rules of the road. When it's a red traffic light, stop there. When it's a green traffic light, you can pedal away. You know, if you've got a little basket at the front, you can put your shopping in it, which is very nice. If you're a cyclist and you go out and you do all your shopping in Poundland and Tesco's and you're cycling down the road and you've got all these bags on your handlebars, you should be arrested because you're quite clearly an idiot. And you see that all the time. I saw a woman the other day. She's, hot, she's steering with one hand. She's got the phone under her shoulder. And she's got a dog in the carrier in the front. What a stupid woman she was. But at least in Regent's Park, you can walk safely without the chance of being run over by one of these inconsiderate cyclists. And, of course, they're always out with the children, aren't you? And you feel like thinking, your daddy's a bit stupid. And I saw a whole family the other day. But luckily, since the police put this notice up, not one cyclist did we see. Because they're so worried they're going to be cycling round the corner and there's a policeman there. And it's an instant £50 fine. And if not, they're going to confiscate your bicycle. Yeah, result. result. I'm all in favour of that one. Uh, if they're selling off the furniture, says Philip from the Olympic Village, where are the Paralympic athletes going to stay? Well, I don't know. I don't think the rooms are geared up for Paralympics. I think it was purely for the Olympics. Uh, Nick Abbott the other night was saying to somebody, oh, n n now the Olympics has finished. And somebody was saying to him, no, no, it's not. It's, it's the Paralympics. And it went, no, the Olympics has finished. It finished yesterday. The Paralympics are in two weeks' time. It's nothing to do with the Olympics. That's a separate thing, OK? And this person wouldn't have it. They said, no, it's the Olympics. Went, no, 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 no. I don't think you quite understand the question. <laughs> it's fascinating to listen. Uh, thank goodness Bridget says, I can't stand Keith Lemon either. Celebrity Juice is the worst programme ever. It's so... I don't know how to describe it, really. I mean, I'm not a prude. 
I mean, I'm really not, and I, and I understand, you know, comedy, but I just think he takes it a bit too far. I think it's a bit sad. I mean, I can understand it for Fern Cotton, because she's that, that sort of level. But Holly Willoughby, she shouldn't be doing any of these sort of programmes. She, she advertises toothpaste on the television. You know, she's one of these... She's a good, wholesome girl. You can just imagine that she drinks a lot of milk and eats sort of muesli and stuff like that. And it's, you know, the very idea that sort of rude words would ever emanate from Holly Willoughby's mouth, I find quite abhorrent, I'm afraid. From Fern, I can understand it all the time. But uh, I went to the marathon yesterday, says Brigitte. Great position, right next to the road on the embankment. Closing ceremony, a fitting finale to two glorious weeks. This week, big anticlimax. I don't, the papers must be absolutely sitting there going, what are we going to write about? Because there's nothing... Unless they start writing about, you know, people staying in the country and enjoying the holidays, but there's nothing to write about. They've done an average of 30 pages in each of the papers, plus they've all got souvenir editions with all... I mean, some really super pictures. Good pictures of Tom Daly and other people who took part, some cyclists, uh, friends of Tom Daly, people who might have known Tom Daly when he was younger, <laughs> things like that. The whole thing revolved around Tom Daly. It just revolved around the fact at least he got a medal. And there was that brief moment, I'm afraid, where I thought, the Chinese are better. The Chinese are better. The, the, the Chinese are going to walk this one, and Tom's not going to get it. So when he got bronze, I, was, I almost breathed a sigh of relief, thinking, thank goodness for that, because I couldn't have coped with it. And I love the, the bits. I didn't see it. So I'm having to do this from, from hearsay. Somebody said at the end, all the athletes got one of those things from the Olympic flame. And so they could take them back home again or something. I don't know. But I thought it was very well organised. I think, you know, it was, it was just a, a marathon. And it, it came together. And the fireworks were great. They were absolutely great. I love fireworks. We, I thought we did it really well. I couldn't, I couldn't have been happier. I, th- I mean, don't you think we did well? I can't believe anybody would ever think we didn't do well. It was the only time that the country just came together and people clapped and cheered. And I was so thrilled for all the cyclists. And I, as you know, I'm not a big cycling fan. I don't, I don't really care about it. But to watch these people coming through and to see the organisation. And when we did Hampton Court and we watched the women cycling and the men cycling. My God, it's, you know, to actually be there. To actually be, it's never going to happen again for me, not at my age. But it was just something that brought everybody together. And I just felt so proud. I, and I can imagine, I'm going to be talking, I'm sure, over the next few weeks to celebrities who were involved in it. And they're all going to I know what they're all going to say. That's one moment you will never, ever forget. You know, you will do something in your life and it will be something that, that sort of stays with you. For me, strange enough for me, I, mean, I had quite a few of those moments, but I loved working with Noel Edmonds when he took his, uh, his Crinkly Bottom Roadshow out. I mean, that was, that was one of the best times over, over a few weekends. It was just, just fantastic. Uh, Miles says, I'm glad you love The Help. It's a stupendous movie and somewhat painful. And uh, I cried. I cried. If you never, this was a movie I mentioned at the beginning of the programme today because uh, John Warrington... Uh, sent it to me and he said, you should watch this, you'll love it. And I, I started watching and then I went off to do something. Then I came back and then I rewound, rewound. <laughs> Sorry, don't, what do you push a button and it goes back. And I started watching it and it's about the hired help in the Deep South and how badly these uh, these young black girls were treated. And their mothers, at one point, this, uh, this young black girl comes around to see her mother who's working in the house. And the woman in the house says, what do you want? She said, I'm just saying, seeing my mother. She said, get out, get out. And in the end, she said, both of you, get out. So the, the, the poor... Oh, it's just... It's heartbreaking. But it's, it's just such a, a great film. It really is. As, as with all Steven Spielberg's films, it's, uh, it's made beautifully. I do like the extension of the, uh, the Sunday trading laws. I'm going to talk to the general manager of Brent Cross, which I drove past yesterday, Tom Nathan, who will say that people want to shop when it's convenient. Increasingly, if they could do it online for 24 hours... May not always be profitable for the retailers to extend the trading hours, but customers like choice. <coughs> Excuse me. More and more of us now do shop online. We do because it's it's so much easier, and you can buy anything. I said that not just food; you can have absolutely everything. I mean, I did get a bit carried away yesterday because I suddenly realised that Amazon. You can. Buy, I mean, I went on to buy. Well, I won't tell you what it is because you'll think I'm peculiar. But I, I bought this item not knowing whether I could buy it on Amazon, and you type it in, and up it comes, and you think. I've got to buy it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's, it's, too, it's too odd for words. It's, no, I can't even give you a hint. I can't even give you a hint. It's just too odd. In fact, even I think it's odd. So it's, 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 it is very odd indeed. I bought, well, one of the things I did buy, I bought myself a, um, a shower head. But it's a colour-changing shower head. So it's got little LEDs and the water 
drives the LEDs, and depending on the the heat of the water, determines the colour that the uh, the lights shine out. I mean, to be honest with you, it was only eight pounds. It's just a novelty little thing, and and it's a bit exciting. And like the first time I, I bought one some years ago, I actually put it on in, in the shower and sat there watching my body bre- bathed in red light, and I suddenly realised, you know, I am attractive. I don't care what anybody says. Unfortunately, it's just it's just my thoughts. Nobody else thinks the same at all. I found the uh, the piece on Anthea Turner, who has demanded Grant Bovey make a televised apology. I can't believe this story. I mean, it just it must be made up because it says here. Um, uh, a close friend of Anthea says she's still very emotional, but she's getting angry now. I mean, p- perhaps it's her agent, I don't know. And um, she wants him to give a TV interview where he could apologise and explain himself, but he's saying no to everything. What, well, I mean, that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my entire life. It's a private thing between the two. Who cares about, you know, whether Grant Bovey has been seen talking to some poor woman and Anthea... T- I can't believe that Anthea Turner, she knows how the media works... Why would anybody be interested in watching him sitting on television, a la, you know, the uh, the bloke who picked up Divine Brown, you know, the actor Hugh, Hugh Grant, and then went on American television and had to sort of... There's no, there's no apology necessary. He doesn't need to apologise on television publicly. Keep your sordid little lives to yourselves. The trouble is, the more these people sell their lives to the media, the, 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 the more tragic it becomes. And the more we all say, enough is enough... I know it sells papers, and I'm, I, we, we did read OK! magazine the other day, and we did decide that it was a cobbled-together interview. There was no way she'd ever given an interview. She'd only just come back from holiday. Uh, papers full, 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 full of pictures of people miming, people pretending they're singing, people sort of pretending they're singing. I didn't know. I was looking at the, the list of songs. I didn't know who Emily Sande is. <coughs> I'm sure she's lovely. Is she famous? Is Emily Sande known? I'd never even heard of her. Uh, then they had the Urban Voices Gospel Choir. Then Julian Lloyd Webber. wasn't really au fait with Julian Lloyd Webber being there. Uh, and then we had uh, the London Symphony Orchestra, Madness, the Mass Bands of the Household Division, Pet Shop Boys doing uh, West End Girls. I thought they're, they're just they're so off the wall, it's so good. Uh, Waterloo Sunset with Ray Davis. And then, strange enough, read all about it, Emily Sande came back again and did the same song again. Perhaps they were filling for time. <coughs> if only I knew who she was. Uh, then we had somebody called Elbow. Then the Doll Drummers doing Running Up the Hill. That's where I think the, the Kate Bush link came in. People thought Kate Bush was going to be uh, appearing. Uh, the Spice Girls did uh, Wannabe and Spice Up Your Life. We had the Electric Light Orchestra doing Mr Blue Sky, which was quite nice. Mr Blue Sky. I like that. It was good fun. And uh, Brian May, Roger Taylor and uh, Jesse J, We Will Rock You. Then we had the Brazilian National Anthem, and then um, The Who doing Baba O'Reilly. I didn't even know that, so I've never heard of it. Uh, I don't know Baba O'Reilly. I really don't. I know See Me, Feel Me. See Me, Feel Me, listening to you, Arthur, the music. It was taken from Tommy, which actually, if you've never downloaded the, the soundtrack to Tommy, download it. It's absolutely brilliant. It's one of the best... Best piece of music. And then My Generation, The Who were joined on stage by everybody. But strangely enough, they didn't get loads of pictures. But actually, they didn't appear to get any pictures in the papers at all, which was, uh, which was a great shame. But in the, uh, in the paper today, they've got Team GB and all our entries and people clutching all their medals, and it was great. Not long now to go until we pick up the momentum again with the Paralympics, which I, for one, am very much looking forward to. We'll take a quick break here, but when we come back, I've got a very important question for you ladies, and you're going to have to be totally honest with me. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. On Tuesday, I had one simple question for you. What is the worth of everything you carry around with you? I think you'll be surprised with the realities. So here, here are these ladies. And, uh, and they've all got... Now, most of you ladies have got big handbags. It's only elderly ladies have normal things in there. A compact, an emery board, a penny for the toilet and a packet of chewing gum. Everybody else has got loads of stuff. So they said to her, how much do you think you've actually got in your bag? And so she says, um, £500 worth? 
I thought, £500? Anyway, so they go through it. So she's got a Ted Baker bag, which cost her 70 quid. Which seems, I suppose, I don't know how much bags cost, but it seems quite reasonable, I suppose. Calvin Klein perfume, £25. Ted Baker pink purse, £70. So she's got a bag, and she's got the purse as well now. Uh, Mugshot cheese pasta. What the hell is that? No idea. She keeps that in a handbag. Dove deodorant. Dove deodorant? Don't you ladies... You don't take out deodorant, do you? Good Lord. We just... Us blokes get up in the morning and we go... And it lasts for 24 hours. You don't need to sort of take more deodorant out with you. Anyway, she's also got an umbrella, an iPhone, an iPad. Ah, that's how it's racked it all up. She's got an iPhone and an iPad in there. And uh, then she's got Mac makeup, Mac blusher, Bare Minerals makeup brushes, Estee Lauder mascara, Rimmel lipstick, eyeliner, Mac lipstick. She seems to... She quite clearly... For a, a recruitment consultant, she can't, she can't pack anything at all. She's duplicated loads of it. She's got a nail file, hay fever tablets, Elemis makeup bag, and she's got all this rubbish makeup. You know, you don't need this much makeup on you. You really don't. I bet if you went through Gloria Honeyford's handbag, you wouldn't find anything like that. Then they've got another woman. So anyway, anyway it's worth £1,260. But bearing in mind, 900 of that is made up with the iPad and the iPhone. There's a student. Uh, Keza, Keza Cox, who comes from Kings Langley, and uh, her, her, her guess is 60 quid's worth of stuff in a bag, and she's actually got just under £300 worth. And then there's another woman here, a support worker, a mum of three, Catherine, from Suffolk, and uh, she thinks it's worth £100 in her bag, but her real value is 995 I mean, she must be incredibly stupid as a support worker. She's got an iPhone in there. Well, what does she think they're worth? A penny or something? It's worth £400. Sunglasses, 150. Her, her guess was 100. She's either got very, you know short-term memory, or she's completely barking mad. She's another one who carries deodorant. Four pounds worth. Chloe Perfect. Everybody does. Wait, it's this other woman. She's got Body Mist Vanilla, Body Shop Vanilla Body Mist, Maybelline Lip Gloss Hairbrush. Yeah, she's the only one with a hairbrush, but she doesn't have. She's got 20 pounds. She's also, this woman here has got a spare pair of knickers in her bag. Plus painkillers, not at all surprised. Chewing gums and mint, and then fifty pounds in her purse. But she doesn't have any uh, any sort of deodorant. Whereas most of the others seem to have deodorant with them. Lip gloss, mascara, foundation, eyeliner. God, I mean, it's like these ghastly women on the train in the morning who sit there troweling on. I want to say to each and every one of them, you know, you don't look any different now. You've troweled it on, dear. You should have left it off. Sitting there, honestly, I feel like I've, I so want to do a sketch. On the television, where somebody sits there doing their makeup, and you could have, you could literally go on every train, and there they all are. People sitting there doing their makeup, or sitting there reading their Kindle. Everybody's doing something, aren't they, on a train? Nobody's just sitting there staring out the window, except me. I stare out the window and watch the world go by. I always look at Pimlico plumbers on the left-hand side as I'm going out of Waterloo, because at Christmas time they have their roof covered with all sorts of flashing things. <laughs> Often think that's quite nice. I, I, I could go for that. She's got contact lenses, headphones, and a notebook. A notebook. She's got a phone with her. What do you want a notebook for? So apparently, most of you have have got with you uh, a few uh, a few hundred pounds worth of stuff. The producer's got an iPhone, lunch, a book, diary, pens. About eight for some particular reason. I mean, she's shoplifting on a massive scale. As you can imagine eight pens. Makeup, including deodorant, mascara and eyeliner, wasted in this building. Uh, oyster. Oyster? Oh, an oyster card. She's actually just got oysters in there. A purse and Ray-Ban sunglasses. She says men should carry deodorant. What for, where? Where are we supposed to carry? What, little, little man bags. Uh, there was a lovely picture in the paper. It might be today. No, it was yesterday, I think. And it was Wayne Rooney coming back through the airport. And he's got the girliest bag with him. And the trouble is, because he's so chab, he just looks ridiculous carrying his bag. You'd love to go through it and go, come on, Wayne, what have you got there? What have you got in there? Come on, Wayne, show us. You know, you just want to wait to see, don't you? But, uh, so that's it. So if you're going through your bag later on today, you'll all be doing it at home. You'll be going through it. And you won't just have one bag, will you? You'll have loads of bags at home. You'll have different bags for different occasions. Men don't have the luxury of bags. They do abroad. In Europe, people don't, uh, people don't bother about man bags. Because when I was in Vienna, to be honest with you, if you smoked and you had a wallet... I mean, I live with carrier bags. I mean, I'm really pathetic. I live with carrier bags. I put all my stuff... I do have... I've got two beautiful leather bags at home, but I filled them up with stuff. I need to actually clear all the rubbish out, 
put it put it to one side and then just put a few things in. But I can't make it stay on my shoulder. I've got I've got a big strap and I, and I look really butch with it. But I walk down the street and it's and I'm thinking it's rubbish in here. What have I got all this stuff in there for? So I tend to bring carrier bags in. And in my carrier bags, in fact, I was going to. I've got my car keys, two hankies. <laughs> Two hankies. Pathetic. I get through loads of hankies. I never used to. All of a sudden, I've got an obsession with handkerchiefs. You know, proper handkerchiefs. Linen handkerchiefs. I buy them in M&S. And I wash them and fold them nicely. I'm quite, I'm quite good like that. And, uh, and then I've got my insulin. So I've got to carry needles. And, uh, and then I've got my wallet. Then I've also got to carry my oyster cut. I've just got so many bits and pieces. It's just rubbish. Rubbish. And I had to bring some stuff in today for, for James O'Brien. I was telling him about this thing that my producer bought me some time ago. And it's to go in the bath. And it's for kids. And what you do is you, you fill the bath up and then you empty this packet of stuff in and it turns the whole bath water into gunge. And so kids can splash. And it's, it's completely safe. I forget what it's called now. Something about bath graph baffle or something. Anyway, whatever it is. And you, you, you pour this stuff in, and so the kids can splash around in gunge. It's like being in jelly. So they'll really enjoy it. And then, to get rid of it, you just empty this other packet of stuff in, and it vanishes. Which I think is quite good. And they now do it in bubblegum flavour. They do it in all different flavours. And I had some at home, so I said to James O'Brien, I'll bring it in for, for, the, for the kids. And you can try it in the bar. They went, oh, right. Because he, he strikes me as the person who wouldn't spend money on things like that. Whereas I'm always looking for unusual presents. My producer uh, was very good at buying unusual presents. So I, I just kind of followed on the, uh, followed on the trait, I'm afraid. <laughs> I just like buying these unusual things. And people say, and I, bu- I bought a toilet light as well, which is very useful for children, who, when they go into the bathroom to use, use toilet, they can see if the seat's up or down. And they're only about sort of seven quid now. They've actually come down in price. Um, the winner of Big Brother... Have they done Big Brother? Have we had the winner of Big Brother already? Has that been finished now? Was it... Uh, which, who won it? Do we know? Wasn't that ghastly Luke A, was it, or something? Oh, dear. Oh, was it, oh how awful. How awful. That's another one. Well, actually, it was strange enough. I've been through all the papers today, and no mention at all of Luke A. Uh, somebody here who says, I'm off to Blackpool for a few days. I've been there tens of times. I love it. Good, good. I don't think you should be listening to this programme. I don't think it's for you. Wait a minute. I'll, I'll, do, it. I'll do it for you. What, mate? What are you doing? There you go. They'll, they'll be happy now. The feel as I've spoken to them in their own language as they head up there to Blackpool. It's great, isn't it? But I love Blackpool. It's great, isn't it? Remember I went up there some time ago to a convention and there were these, let's politely call them, chavs standing on a street corner. And I walked... I must have stood out like a sore thumb. Admittedly, the high heels and the blonde wig didn't help and the feather boa. But as I walked past them, one of them went, Oi, mate. A bit like that. Oi, mate. I said, yes. He said, you tell me the way to Amarillo. And I went, um... I think it's up there and it's left and then it's first on the right. Well, of course, he wasn't quite prepared for that because he was a bit thick. And so, yeah, right. And I walked on, I thought, well, I won't tell you what I thought, actually. Ah, dear. We used to have a bakery van, Tuesday, but that was 44 years ago. We had a bakery van as well. We had, like, um, a little village shop that was a mobile shop and it came round once a week. And it had all the essentials on there for people who couldn't get out. If you lived in a little village in, in the middle of Yorkshire, where, let's face it, when it snowed, we were practically isolated. We were isolated. But I've often said that that's what I want to do. I want to go back to Yorkshire, to the little village I used to live in. Which, I mean, if, the, if there were 20 houses, that was an exaggeration. We had a farm, a church. Don't remember there being a pub. I don't think we had a pub, actually. It wouldn't have survived, because everybody stayed in most of the time. And us kids went out and played, and we went to the local school. But when it snowed, it was just... I, I can remember tramping. It was two miles to walk to get the school bus. Two miles. I mean, now, can you imagine kids today walking two miles every morning? And it wasn't just two miles, you know, once a week. It was four miles every day, because when the bus dropped you off, you got off, and you walked, and you walked, and you walked. And if it rained, you got very wet. And if it snowed, which it did in the winter, and by God, it came down, you'd tramp along the roads in your little Wellington boots. It's terrible, really. I paint, I know I'm painting a very gloomy picture of life, uh, and it was all the fields were deserted. A couple of carrion crows looking to pick me off if I fell over, you know, things like that. Carried off into the hills and eaten alive. And I can remember the school bus, because it looked like some... Um, if ever you've watched the film... The Titfield Thunderbolt. I've got tit on the brain this morning. That's twice that. The tits have ate the milk. Now the Titfield Thunderbolt. And they've got a coach which they use on there, which has got maquette seats. And there'll be loads of you listening who remember those old school buses. You got on there and it was a race to get the back seat. And if somebody else was on it, you didn't like them. And it, had, it was proper maquette. 
And we'd sit there. We didn't appreciate these coaches at all, but they were fabulous. But the bakery van, I remember the, the local van coming around, which had essential food on it, tins of soup, and they also carried fresh bread. Because we didn't make... My mother didn't make bread. She, she made everything else, but didn't do bread. Which I love bread. Crusty loaves of bread. You know, like those ones that look like sort of a top knot. Ooh, they were delicious. In the toaster with some butter on. A little bit of grated... Sh- oh, I'm making myself ill again. No good talking about bread, Stephen, this morning. You're on a diet. Think diet. Think diet. Think thin. Think... Think thin. Think Tom Daly. Think... Oh. God, I'm depressed already. The diet starts tomorrow, I promise. In half an hour, you'll be hearing from war veteran and actor Cassidy Little, as well as actress and TV presenter Nadia Sawala. But now, the latest headlines at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning. You're listening to Steve Allen's Best Bits from the Week here on LBC 97.3. At six, my In Conversation with, and this week I'm joined by Cassidy Little, who lost a leg while serving in Afghanistan but is now performing in the two worlds of Charlie F. It's a play about the lingering effects of war. And Nadia Sawala, who's got a new show coming up which sees people trying to renovate their kitchens on budgets from as little as £4,000 upwards. But now we head back to my best bits of the week with a topic that dominated Wednesday. That was the issue of plain packaging on cigarettes. I am not convinced. A friend who still smokes has already bought an antique silver case for his cigarettes. He's sure that changes to packaging will happen here before long and he wants to be prepared for it. Well, they've done it in Australia. It comes in and it will be in from Christmas. I think Christmas and they've got horrendous images to go on the front of the packets. It doesn't bother me because I don't smoke. But I feel sorry for people who smoke, because you probably don't want that. And that's why I think um, I think you, you should always check with, with a cigarette packet and just try and find out exactly, exactly what is sort of going on uh, in the world out there of cigarettes. I don't know how many packets of cigarettes they actually they actually produce each year. There must be money in it, mustn't there? And, uh, and Lynn says, yes, the closing ceremony wasn't that bad, but it was spoiled for me with the vacuous Kate Moss and the I'm So Special Naomi Campbell. Uh, this was... Was this the fashion bit? You see, I, I, I didn't know what they were doing then. It looked, a bit, it looked a bit all over the place. And I'm not remotely interested in fashion. They were wearing some of Victoria Beckham's clothes. And I, and I, I wasn't really a fan of that. Really, if, if, if ever you watch fashion... You, you have to be prepared to watch people walking in a funny way up and down a catwalk. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. So that also didn't, didn't bother me in the slightest, but because I flipped over that. I also flipped over bringing all the athletes back on again, because that went on for like an hour. For anybody sitting in a stadium, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised you never got piles sitting there, because it was just, it just never-ending. Another group with a flag coming in. But it was, it was just so well done. I thought, it was, I thought it was really, really lovely. I thought, I'm, I'm so proud of, of everybody who took part in it. I still can't believe we did it in Stratford, for God's sake. The millionaire's dump of Stratford. And we, we turn it into this fantastic area with these huge theatres of, of entertainment, which became all... And, and even Sebastian Coe's speech, I thought, was brilliant. I sent a, a text to John Warrington while I was watching it. I said, you've managed successfully to make me cry for the last hour. It was so... Im- I'm such a drip, honestly. I wrote to her, I said, I'm such a wuss at watching these kind of things. It's only got to have sort of people coming on, and then you see the athletes, and they all wave. I'm waving at the television. I'm waving at the athletes. It, it was like that old Eamon Holmes line years ago, where he used to come onto the television in the morning and go, nice to see you. And I thought, can he see us? And I used to look around the sitting room thinking, can he see and hit a new suddenly realise he can't? But the newsreaders used to say it, didn't they? At the end of each bulletin, they, Reginald Bosenkett, who was always three sheets of the wind, used to sort of sit there and wink into the camera. I used to think he was winking. There was one lady who thought it was a come-on. She turned up at the studio, I think, because she thought he was interested in her. But they used to do that. That, that was Reggie Bosenkett. Who was the one? Kenneth Kendall's tooth fell out on air once. That was hilarious. He was reading the news and always had a tooth fell out. And he ends up with no... T- that was the funniest ever. But, but the best one for me, and always, and I've repeated it, ad... Oh, God, ad nauseum over the years, was Reginald Bosenkett. When we had the firemen go on strike, the army came out and we had the green goddesses. They'd been brought into action. They hadn't used them for years and years and years, and the army manned them. So in case of a fire, the firemen weren't doing anything, so the army had to take their green goddess machines out. And Reggie Bosenkett was saying, and of course the, uh, the army have to do the same job as the fire 
department do. He said, and this is the heartwarming story of, uh, of a lady who's... I mean, for some reason, we, don't, we don't, don't seem to have it nowadays, whose cat was stuck in the tree. And so the fireman came round, but it wasn't, it was the army. They came round with the green goddess... And they put the ladder up and they got the, the, the cat down. The little old lady was really grateful. Unfortunately, when they reversed the thing out, they ran over the cat and killed it. And Reginald Bosenkett smiled. As he read it, he said, and as they uh, left the uh, lady's premises, they reversed over the cat, killing it. And he smiled and people wrote in and complained. <laughs> they said he was, he was showing no respect whatsoever. I mean, I thought it was funny as well. I mean, yeah, this poor old lady, why don't she got the cat? Oh, thank you. Puts it down on the ground and then the wheels of this huge green goddess just pfft, gone. One, one cat dead. But at least you get one half of a pair of slippers, don't you? Which is always good news. I like that idea. So uh, that's why the, the newsreaders of old were actually quite funny in their own little way. And then, gutted, though I wasn't, the Dandy magazine may finish. They're looking for a buyer. Now, uh, we never had magazines like this. We never had these sort of things when we were young. I don't think my parents liked that kind of thing. They probably thought it was a bit down market. So I never knew anybody who featured in the Dandy. I've got no idea who any of the, I, I would probably know some of the characters, I suppose. Was Lord Snooty in the Dandy and people like that? Or if I just made that up. Does anybody read the Dandy? Anybody worried about that? Does anybody read comics anymore? Do people, I know that, I think Jonathan Ross buys comics, and there is a very famous comic shop in London, but I, I never read them. I had cousins, my, my cousins Stephen and Martin had them years ago, so we went round there, because I didn't have them. I, I could quite happily sit down, and I would read all the adverts in the back. I wanted a pair of the X-Ray Specs. They used to advertise X-Ray Specs on the, just above Bazooka Joe, an advert for bubblegum. I used to love Bazooka Joe bubblegum. We weren't really allowed to have that either. <laughs> we considered a bit common, I'm afraid. My mother, my mother would never have had chewing gum in the house, but she'd had a packet of peppermints, packet of polos, which is quite sweet. But we never had comics. So when I would go to Stephen and Martin's house over in, um, uh, where were they? Lynx Avenue, Lynx Avenue, down uh, Gidea Park, which is, which was quite, it was all fields in my day. Now you're at the South End Arterial that cuts off the end of their road. And they had this big pile of comics upstairs and I would, I would, I would just sit down and read them. So the fact that they're going to close this thing, doesn't actually make any difference to me, but I know people become quite addicted to reading comics and they would go, but I don't see them on sale anywhere. So either do they not make them anymore or you just don't buy them in normal shop. Where do you buy these things? Are they, do you have them just delivered in a plain, plain brown envelope, lest people think you're a bit naff having, having a comic? But somebody's got to sit down and draw them, I'm assuming, or do they not draw them anymore? Is it all done on, on computer? I'd love to know because I'm, I know nothing about comics at all. I just know that they're highly collectible, some of them, and people read them, and the dandies... Is it the dandies going to close? Right. But who's in it? It's, it's struggling at the moment. Because obviously people don't... Because now you've got the internet, why would you want to go out and buy anything like that? Sales of books have, have dropped off. Sales of magazines have dropped off. Even though there is a plethora of magazines devoted to celebrityism. That's why, that's why we do celebrity news on the programme, because it is the biggest seller celebrity magazines have taken over from everywhere. Vanity Publishing is also fairly big. That's where people have got a life story and you pay a publisher and they will print your book for you. Some of them are good, some of them are, some of them are not so good, I'm afraid. And it's called Vanity Publishing, being the reason that nobody else is interested and you buy it to put down your legacy of your life. If you think you've got an interesting life, then you, then you set it down. Uh, apparently your family member must have bought her Victoria Beckham jeans at a sale or second hand as they start from £260 new. They certainly didn't. They were 150 I remember exactly what they cost. They were £150, brand new. So uh, I do remember these things. Ray Davis, everybody agrees, was fantastic singing Water... When he sang Waterloo Sunset, you c it, it didn't matter how old that song was. He sang it well. Um, and we had him on, I don't know if it's still available up online, the In Conversation with Ray Davis, and I'd, he was, I think it was before he was about to do one of the big festivals, I think he did Glastonbury, and he did it with the Crouch End Festival Chorus, and uh, they all sang, We are the Village Green Preservation Society, and it went down very well, and then he did Waterloo Sunset, and they did all the la-las in the back, it's a great song, it's a great song, we, that formed the basis of the interview, I think, what do I think of uh, ELO? Um, okay. I wasn't really sure what... I didn't really pay much attention to ELO, even though I loved all their... Mr Blue Sky. All that stuff that came out years and years ago. But I didn't, I didn't really pay much attention. I'll watch them again. I'll, I'll let you know, Giles. I'll let you know. Um, 
Uh, Giles, apparently, is listening to all the podcasts, and he's reached February 2008. Really? How far back do these uh, do these podcasts go? Long time. You better download them quickly, because what happens is they all fall off the edge. Uh, they, they, they fall off the end as new stuff goes up there, so you must do it. Uh, Joanne says, uh, hope they don't bring in changing the cigarette packaging, as normally have Cartier International. Cartier International, eh? How posh are you? Cartier International. Oh, by the way, we got the box this morning. It was delivered. So it's, we had it downstairs, but Courtney now put it... It's the biggest one yet. Biggest one yet. But uh, she's having uh, chemo and radiotherapy at the moment. So I uh, hope that's going well. She says, going well, uh, usually on a Friday, and I'm only doing two days at work for the moment. Hope Amanda liked her, her little gift. She did, actually. She's up to here with it. She's been away on holiday. And uh, so she hasn't had a chance to reply, but she did say to say thank you. Do love hearing Noreen and little uh, Julie's emails, along with the first Noreen mention of the morning. Enjoy the honey, she said. Yes, she puts a jar of Manuka honey in. Because we get a gift box from Joanne, who's, who's sort of carrying on, let's just call it a tradition, shall we, Joe? And um, she says, hope everything is all right. Well, we've already, start, we've already devoured the pink wafers. The pink wafers. Courtney, I'm afraid, has to get the, uh, the little light-up things. He loves those. I don't know why Courtney likes those, but uh, wonderful. The podcasts go back as, first, uh, as far as the 1st of Jan 2008, but then when we upload to days later, that one drops off, and then it'll be the 2nd of January. So if you're thinking about podcasting, you need to do them, you need to go back and, and get them quickly, because every day as we go through, another one drops off, because there's only so much space on there. So today... 1st of Jan, but by halfway through today, it'll be the 2nd of Jan, and then tomorrow it'll be the 3rd of Jan, 2008. So you've got three years plus podcasts to go back on. I must listen to one one of these days. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's unlikely I'll ever w- want to listen to one of my own programmes. I don't think anybody does, actually. Muse were good. And Take That. I, didn't, I haven't got as far as Take That. Were they any good? They were all right, were they? Gary Barlow et al.? They danced around a lot. Dancing around a lot is good. That's all right. They are quite old. They are very old, I know. But they, but they did do dancing around at the Royal Variety performance some years ago. I mean, you could hear the bones creaking from where we were sitting up in the gods. And yesterday, I nipped the car into the garage because uh, I think I've got a flat tyre. And, of course, I can't change. I don't do tyres. I pay people to do tyres. I can't. That's why they've got tyre places. And, uh, and what I've got, I've got a slow puncture. I don't know if you've ever had a slow puncture, but it's so infuriating because you look at it and you think, I think that looks a little bit flat there. So anyway, we've, we've decided today, well, yesterday, they've taken it to the garage. But as opposed to just replacing the tyre, there's another one which, which was just borderline, really. It, would have, it would, have, would have gone another few thousand miles, but we decided to change it at the same time. So they've got to take them all off, all the tyres, to balance them up. So we'll have two brand new ones at the front, even though the one we changed was at the back, and then we'll put the other ones at the front at the back. So it, it all balances quite good. Mm. As I have another sip of my Manuka honey. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you again, Joanne, for the gift box. You really shouldn't, but they're greatly appreciated. Another quick break now, after which we take a look at the day which had many across the country biting their fingernails and sitting on the edge of their seats. Very nerve-wracking. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. As many of you know, Thursday was the day hundreds of thousands of teenagers got their A-level results back and decided whether or not to go to university or go and get a job. But surrounding all this was the idea that some employers don't think a degree is useful for getting a job. In my own experience in the media, I have to agree with them. Can't sleep, waiting for the A-level results, touch and go. Listen, you know if you've done well in the A-levels. You know when you do the blooming exam if you've done well. I love the idea that people are waiting for it. I mean, God, it's make or break day. Make or break day. It's A-level day. People will be panicking. Some people open up. It'll be done on television. It'll be done on radio. And for all those people who never ever did A-levels, it won't make the slightest difference. Do you think having uh, results now and having A-levels makes the slightest difference to a job? No. not this. I've never been asked once in my entire life... What are, your, what are your qualifications? Never been asked a thing. Nobody's ever asked anybody at any radio station I've ever worked at, what are your qualifications? All they generally ask is, are you on a related course for the media? 
Can you come in? Can you do the job? I wouldn't have the faintest idea if there was a bunch of illiterates around here or not. Wouldn't make the slightest difference. Can they do the job? Yes, you've got the job. Can you not do the job? You're weeded out very quickly. That's how it works. It's as simple as that. Sometimes it's... Nobody asks qualifications. They've never asked qualifications in this building in my life. And in every other building. They want to know what work you've done before. They don't want to know your qualifications. Doesn't mean anything. In fact, the, the, the worst person I would ever take is somebody who goes, oh, I'm on a media course. And you go, oh, God, well, that's it, isn't it? Failure straight away, I'm afraid. I'm on a media course. No, you can either do the job. It's like, it's like driving a bus. Nobody cares whether you've got qualifications. You just sort of drive the bus. Can you drive a bus? Yes, if you've got a driving licence, yes, there you go, you've got the job. You don't, have to be, you don't even have to be of a pleasant disposition. You don't even have to, you know, nobody ever asks bus drivers to smile. As long as you can put the brakes on just as somebody stands up with a load of shopping and they fall over, you've got the job. That's how the system works. Tube drivers, they sit there. Nobody says, do you have any qualifications? So that's why we make such a big thing about them. I know it's it's a standard of education, but as long as you can read and write and you can spell your name and you can open up a bank account and you can drive a car, that's about all you need in this day and age. But they will be worried today. People are going, oh, I need it, because obviously some universities expect qualifications to get in. But when it comes down to the hard and fast you know, cruel world out there of finding a job. Nobody cares. You don't go for a job at John Lewis and they go, and your qualifications are? It's how you present yourself. It's how you look. It's how you conduct yourself. It's how you, as they described to us a long, long time ago, how you package yourself. Having a qualification doesn't mean that. I've got no qualifications whatsoever. Nothing. Mind you, we didn't have A-levels in my day. It was all, I think it was GCSEs or something like that. I didn't do anything. I left school at 15. You were able to leave school at 15. And nobody ever said, in the first job that I got, which was working in a shop, what qualifications have you got? When I came into radio, what qualifications have you got? Nobody ever asked. Nobody ever asked. Nobody ever cared. So that's why it makes no difference in the Big Brother house. I mean, does it make any difference to you whether Colleen Nolan or Julian Clary has got qualifications? I think one of the, um, one of the columnists, Gary Bushell, is a member of Mensa. It doesn't stop the fact that everybody hates him. And thinks he's vile. So there's no advantage to that one. Other people in the Big Brother house. So, so far you've got Colleen Nolan still trading on the fact that she did La La's and the sisters sang the act for her. She was never part of the Nolans then. Julian Clary, 53 now. And he lives in Surbiton. He's already taken part in Strictly Come Dancing. It's a route now for people, isn't it? I've discovered it's a route for, for people who obviously can't get anything else. They have to do a reality show. And, and Colleen Nolan... To be honest with you, after they dropped her from this morning, I didn't think she'd ever do anything again. But she has got, and this is going to be the embarrassment, she's apparently got a chat show coming up on Channel 5, which is hosting... So, in other words, stick her in there, whether she comes out within a couple of days or not. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping that she's going to have a breakdown. There's, there's no point if people don't have breakdowns. That, that's what you're looking for, isn't it? That's why. When they did I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Toby Anstis got voted out of the jungle early. Why? Because he's just a nice person. They don't want nice people. They want vile people like like Rianne Sugden, who's going to have rows with somebody called Jasmine Leonard, because it turns out they both try to date the same person. What a shallow existence these old people have got. What a shallow existence. Mike the Situation is in there. Hello? Reality check, Steve. Mike the Situation. Who is he? He looks like a right plank. He's 30, probably with a mental age of about seven. Occupation... Reality TV star. Yes, apparently Mike found fame in the US show Jersey Shore and is now the highest paid reality star in the world after Kim Kardashian. He says, I know the tricks when there's cameras on you all the time. It's another drippy American, ladies and gentlemen, we've had to put up with. Why don't we just send them back where they came from? Mike the situation. Oh, God, you're a worry. Danica Thrall. Danica. Sounds like a camera, doesn't it? Well, I've just bought myself a new 3.5-inch Danica. Here she is, occupation model. During the TV show Sex, Lies and Rinsing Guys early this year, the glamour model for that read, one up from a tramp, admitted she uses her good looks to persuade men's men to fund her lavish lifestyle. I can't think of anything worse than take it... Wait for... This is a classic quote. She's so intelligent, ladies and gentlemen. Wait for this one. Brace yourselves. You won't, you, you, you'll never get it. I can't think of anything worse than taking a bath with my clothes on. She is so intelligent. Now you know why she's a glamour model. Thick as, I mean, thick as a brick, this one is. Thick as a brick. And she admitted using her good looks to persuade men to fund her lavish lifestyle. 
We have a name for people like you over here, darling. We have a name. I can't think of anything worse than taking a bath with my clothes on. Really? How about immersing yourself in quicksand? No, I can't think of anything worse than taking a bath with my clothes on. How about going to Afghanistan and stepping on a landmine? I can't think of anything worse than taking a bath with my clothes on. And then... As if things couldn't get any worse, we dredge to the bottom of the slurry barrel and we find M.C. Harvey. M.C. Harvey is nobody. He's apparently actor. He's also famous, I think. He says, viewers only know me. No, dear, we don't know you. That's the trouble. In your tiny, shallow little mind, you think we do, but we don't. He says, they know me for who I'm dating and any badness I've done, because he's an intelligent actor. Dear Lord above, here they... Oh, and Prince Lorenzo... Borghese. Um, it's, a, it's another crackpot member of the Tuscan Borghese dynasty. I mean, it's, it's all but fizzled out. They're living in ramshackle places. They can't help it, but they hang on to the title. It's a bit like going to Austria and finding somebody related to the uh, Austrian royal family. But uh, he founded the Borghese Beauty Brand. Oh, his grandmother founded it. I don't even know what it is. Have you heard of this? The Borghese Beauty Brand? Nope. That mean a thing over here, I'm afraid, mate. But anyway, he says, it's a turn-off when a girl makes the first move. Oh, God, you've met your mark over here then, matey. He says, I don't like big fake boobs, fake eyelashes, fake nails or hair extensions. You're not going to like anybody here, I'm afraid. <laughs> Rianne Sugden you won't like. Jasmine Leonard, occupation model. Uh, she claims to enjoy the romantic company of both men and women. She says, I'm a, I'm a bad girl, I'm a predator. People don't know how crazy I can be. Oh, I think we do, actually, dear. I think we do. Uh, as I say, who is, who's going to be the first one to be kicked out? All of them. All of them. <laughs> I can't think of any saving grace there at all. They're bored. They're bored people. Some, it's, it's a career move. I can't think of anybody here who's going to get a career out of it. Colleen Nolan's chat show is going to die quite clear. I mean, she's, she's just not very good. You cannot base somebody's career on the pathetic appearances on Loose Women. She wasn't much cop on Loose Women. She couldn't hold her own. She's not intelligent enough to actually have a decent discussion. Who are they going to get? Perhaps she'll bring the Nolans on. Perhaps they can all sit down and talk about which member of the Nolans they're not talking to because of what Daddy did. Perhaps they'll discuss that. Julian Clary, novelist. Think he needs the money? I suspect probably yes. I should imagine. Costs a bit of money to be Julian Clary. Martin Kemp, love to pieces. Uh, actor and musician. He says, I hope there's lots of bitching and fighting. Oh, there so will be. Who do you think is going to be the first one to show their other side? Is it going to be Julie Goodyear? Let's just, just dismiss Samantha Brick because she's thick as. And let's put it down to Colleen Nolan because they're all attention seekers. Colleen Nolan, Julie Goodyear, uh, Cheryl Ferguson. I don't th- do you know what she'll do? She'll spend all her time in the kitchen. She'll be the she'll be the cooking one. I bet you she'll be the one. Going, Does anybody want breakfast? She'll be. She, I can I can guarantee she'll be cooking. She says I'm quite nervous about windy pops and snoring. Oh God, she snores. Oh dear. You see, that's always a bad sign. I think if you snore, you should be in a separate bedroom. But I bet you she'll be the only one in the kitchen cooking for. She'll be Mother Hen. Julie Goodyear will be. I've seen her turn. I've, I've witnessed her turn. I think, she'll, I think she'll probably go a few days and then she'll lose it with somebody. And it'll probably be like somebody like Jasmine Leonard or Rianne Sugden, who will do the bimbo act for a couple of days and then people will suddenly see through and realise that she's nobody. Samantha Brick will try to, uh, to talk to people, but nobody will be interested. Julian Clary will be very funny. Danica Thrall, I think, will just be, just be useless. Ashley McKenzie... I don't know what we could say about you, love. Nobody knows who you are. Mike, the situation, and MC Harvey is going to be another bore as well. In fact, it's actually quite dreary. Quite, they should have put Prince Philip in there. He'd liven it up a bit. He'd liven it up, Prince Philip. Got a bit panicky yesterday about Prince Philip. Third time back in hospital. But uh, he soldiers on, you know. At 91, he soldiers on. And you think to yourself, he's got to slow down. But the one thing he cannot do is slow down. He's always done that. That's what he does. He is the Queen's consort, and he does enjoy going out. I think if he sat at home, he'd deteriorate. I think if he sat at home, he'd be bored witless. He needs to do something. Perhaps he could do stamp collecting or origami. Uh, Merle says, is there an LBC listener good on garden bugs? Me. Me. I'm very good on garden bugs. And it says, I've just noticed what I thought was a large seed pod, and uh, it was attached to a flower, and it's a caterpillar. And Well, it's just a, a caterpillar. It's, it's, it's not rare. At the moment, caterpillars are out, 
And if you leave them, they do get very fat. They're a bit like slugs. Uh, sometimes birds pick them up and then they drop them somewhere else. So the orange eyes wouldn't indicate anything at all. But uh, it seems fine to me. So you, you just enjoy what is, uh, what is something nice to have in the garden. I like caterpillars. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to let them, I used to pick them up. I wouldn't touch one now because I'm too worried about things like that. You never know, do you? Like sometimes I see something in the garden and think, what the dickens is that? I've still got a phobia about spiders. I'm still not happy with spiders, especially in the morning, because I've got so many hanging baskets. I walk through, and the spiders spin webs. And you walk through, and you're, oh, because I've had this situation before, where I've walked through a spider's web, but unbeknownst to me, the spider has attached itself to the back of my head. And I've sat in the car, and I've thought, I can feel something moving. I can feel something moving in the back of my head. And you try and be all big and brave. You don't want the driver to career off the road as either screaming match in the back. So I go like that, and then you... You scrape this dead spider off the... It's, oh, it's awful. It's so dreadful. Sun this morning. There's, uh, there's a, a watch on Philip, as indeed there should be, because he's 91. This is the third time he's had this, this problem recurring. This is the bladder infection again, but he's, uh, he's in no danger at the moment. It's a little bit of a, uh, you know, a tough time for the royal family. Uh, they're more interested in the fact that Cheryl Coles found a dancer boyfriend... Not exactly difficult to pull, are they, Cheryl? And, uh, and the fact that Melanie Sykes has got engaged to a toy boy after three months. She's not all there, I don't think, Melanie Sykes. Every time I watch her on the television, she reminds me a little bit of Gail Porter. Gail Porter doesn't remind me of anybody who's actually in the real world, whether, whether with hair or without hair, I'm afraid. And they've got, at the moment, covering for uh, Mr Wright on the right stuff, that Colad Singh bloke, who I can't remember. This is the, this is the Sikh who's got the... He's, I think he was a comedian. But he used to appear on The Right Stuff, and then, let's just call it Something Happened, and they dropped him from the programme. In fact, they dropped him from uh, from quite a number of programmes. And he slowly crept back again. He's, he's, he's not, not one of my favourite presenters on the television. But they've had all sorts of strange people on The Right Stuff. The audience is about three people, and they're sitting there in the studio. So, so when you get Melanie Sykes, who is now going to get wed after three months, I think to myself, a little bit too soon. A little bit too soon. Three months... Not quite long enough. These showbiz engagements and marriages, only a select few survive, and I'm not sure this is one of them. Well, those are my best bits from the week. Coming up next, I talk to war veteran and actor Cassidy Little and actress and TV presenter Nadia Sawala. But first, the latest news at six.